0: Welcome and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. I am... uh... I'm kind of sad this is the final week of our Messiah series, and it's been really good going through the Book of Mark with you guys. Uh, but I love the fact that you know God's Word is so powerful and it's so cool to me to see the Gospels told, and a lot of times we become commonplace with it. So I hope and pray that maybe it's awoken, or awaken, forgive me for not knowing the proper tense there, Um, but I hope it's got something alive in you, and it's kind of reminded you that all this was not just stories, it's real accounts of our Savior's life, and His death, and His burial, and His resurrection. Um, And today, as we wrap it up, we're talking about comebacks, um, when, when I say a comeback, what's some of the greatest comebacks that come to mind uh, in, in your mind? Anybody, can anybody think of any? Oh. Patriots. Oh, exactly what I was thinking, Patriots and Falcons. I, I'm not a Patriots fan, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, a few years ago in the Super Bowl, Patriots playing the Falcons. At the half, it was 21-3. to 3. Falcons were up. My boys uh, were uh, you know, a little bit younger, of course. And we were watching the Super Bowl at the house, and they were like, man, this is, man, Brady, you know, they, they, they didn't do it. Everybody talks about so good, and they were mad. They wanted to quit watching at halftime because, like, game's over. I said, I don't like it. I, I was not a fan, but I said, if you're going to go, don't bet against the, the Patriots. Don't bet against Tom Brady. Sure enough, they come back and won. 32 to 28 in overtime they were down 21 to 3 and it was a crazy comeback thankfully we watched that game and it was so exciting and I will say this um I'm not speaking anything about the guy I don't know anything about the guy but for what he's done on the field I've actually become kind of a Tom Brady fan and it's mostly because he's about my age and so I'm like yeah yeah still got it still got it that could be me that could be me I could go out there what did you say (laughs) yeah he did he did he did thankfully I've I've got my wife she's hanging on so she's uh so that's good but that's the greatest comeback but I'll tell you that's not the greatest comeback or it's not it's not in the top three I've got one in mind and I think most of us we kind of know where that's going but I would say number two greatest comeback in all of time is this 80s clothing and hairstyles Now, I mean you thought those things were dead, you thought they should be dead, right? No way in the world, you know, 70s came back for a while and they're kind of coming back again, you know, bell-bottom pants, things like that, you know, beads, you know, hippie flower child stuff, and everybody's like, okay, you know, that, that had some style, it was kind of smooth, I can see why that would come back, you know, 90s, you know, some of that stuff comes back every now and then, but then 80s, no, ain't no way, ain't no way we're going to repeat that crime against humanity and do it again. But 80s clothes, have y'all seen it? It's crazy how much 80s clothes have come back in style. And haircuts, mullets, y'all, mullets. Mullets, that should be a crime against the Geneva Convention. (laughs) Mullets have come back in style. And even the little perm mullets, you know, that that some guys get. They let it grow out and they perm it up. You know, you can call them, there's different names for them. You know, somebody who's got blonder hair, you know, golden Kentucky waterfalls and things like that. So all kinds of I'll tell you all this. Um, like I said, I, I'm not perfect. and it's, That might come as a shock to some of y'all. But several years ago, before mullets came back in style, um, we were out at this mall food court back where we used to live. And uh, there, was this, there was this lady. And I'm telling you, it was like a light shone from heaven on her. And she had the greatest single for mullet I've ever seen in my life the female mullet it's elusive as a snow leopard you know you just don't see him very much and I mean it was like this long thing and I got my kid <laughs> I probably shouldn't tell this y'all gonna judge me um I got I think it was Luke he was probably like eight years old I got Luke to go stand over in her direction so I could act like I was taking a picture of him and take a picture of the mullet that's that's what I did I did that I know i I asked Jesus to forgive me, but uh, Jesus was probably like, good job, that's good, that's smooth, Uh, because, I mean, it's something you want to record, the famullet, it was the queen fumulet. it was the most crazy thing, but I can't believe that the 80s have come back in style, you would have thought there was no way, but they'd come back in style, but we all know what number one is, right, it's the Sunday school answer. Jesus coming back, absolutely, that's right, but it's true, right? It's not just a Sunday school answer, it's the absolute truth. Jesus coming back from the grave is the number one comeback of all time, and I want to look at that today. Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 2, this greatest comeback. It says, and very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They were going for a totally different reason, right? They were going to sort of pay respects. They were going to take care of the body, but they going, were going to find something totally different. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large, you know? It, it, it was this massive stone that one person probably couldn't do on their own. And they were expecting, oh, man, what are we going to do? Who's going to roll it back for us? And there it is. It's already done, and they are, their minds are spinning. They're like, okay, is somebody taking the, the body? You know, what's going on? I mean, was it not enough what they did to him on the cross? I mean, they're thinking all these things. Are they desecrating his body as well? And here's where it picks up in verse 4. And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. I, I love it. Um, you know, as we mentioned a few times, a lot of people call the gospel of Mark the gospel of Peter because there's a, a good chance that Peter did a lot of telling the story to Mark as he wrote it down. And, and Peter is not necessarily a big flowery guy. He's a guy that just opens mouth and what have we been saying? Inserts, not foot, but thigh. You know, he's like, ah, get that thing the whole way down there. And so his l- language isn't always really colorful. And so he says, like, the stone was large. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. He doesn't go, he's not like Luke. Luke was a doctor and a physician. And, and he gets into all these wordy flowery details and stuff and he's like rock big you know rock big and uh it goes on and he says here he says don't be alarmed is how he re- recounts what the angel said to him you know a lot of times in, we see in scripture don't be afraid don't be terrified he says you seek jesus of nazareth who was crucified he has risen he is not here See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. This is mind-boggling to think about the fact that they were going in there and they were expecting to see his body. He had told them, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but he had told them he was going to, in three days, rise from the grave, and yet they still didn't get it, did they? And it would be really easy for us to sit back and be like, oh, those poor, pitiful, unspiritual people. I, there's no way I would have been like that. But we would have probably been just the same. We have been just as shot. Walk in and see the empty tomb, empty grave, and we're like what? I I had no concept of this, you know? We would be the same way, and he's saying, look, he is alive, and I'm telling you what, it is mind-boggling to me how we don't just get so excited, like we talked about last week, how we cannot be sometimes passionate about the cross. How do we not get fired up to know that Jesus walked out of the grave and not only did he do it and never had to taste death again he's given you and I the opportunity to live forever with him that is worth celebrating that is worth coming together for that is worth telling everybody about do you know that Jesus rose from the dead I'm telling you what I have from what I do ministering to people I've been asked to be with people sometimes at the end of their life. And I'm telling you, even though a lot of times those people were believers, they were Christians, and there's hope, there's just something about what seems like the finality of death. And, you know, the moment the last breath stops, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. And Jesus had taken his last breath. Part A, <laughs> but there's more, right? There's a comeback, and man, I cannot imagine what it was like. I, I hope and pray that when we get to heaven, we kind of get to see the live-action replay of everything that happened in the Bible. You know, all these things are recorded. I really do. I hope we do. And I cannot imagine what it was like as his body lay there cold on that slab and the earth began to shake and his eyes opened up. And (gasps) that's, that's life changing, literally. It's life giving. He came back to life. And he was alive and he said, go and tell the disi- his disciples and Peter, and he's going before you to Galilee and there you will see him. And see, there's a powerful moment in this. I mean, okay, yeah, the resurrection is enough, right? The resurrection is enough. That's, we could just spend time talking singularly about that. But there is a lesson that we might miss, a powerful moment that is just right there, sort of hidden in the text, He said, go and tell his disciples and who? Peter. Peter. Put this in context, y'all. What was the last thing that Peter is known for previous to this? Denying Jesus on the night he had that mock trial when he was arrested. He had said, you know, he denied him not just once, but as Jesus told him, he was gonna do it three times. Three times before the rooster crowed. And he did, and it says in, in some accounts that when he did that last time, when he when he finally, you know, called down curses on himself, I don't know the man. I don't know him. The rooster crowed. I would say his heart broke, and Jesus turned, and what happened? They locked eyes. That's the last interaction we have with Peter and Jesus. You know, the the right-hand man of Jesus, his last interaction. Can you imagine somebody you love and care about? Your last interaction is a a hateful word, or, or just even worse, denying them? And that's the last interaction, and they saw it. It wasn't just something you did they weren't aware of, but you, they, you, they saw it, and they knew what you did. And so when the angel says this message from God, go and tell his disciples that Jesus is ar- has arisen, go and tell his disciples and Peter. That is the greatest message of grace, I think. Is that here in this moment, he's saying, look, it's a fresh start. It's a new life. And Peter, there's new life in the empty tomb. He's saying, go tell his disciples and Peter, you are part of the crowd. You are part of the family. You are part of the team. No doubt Peter had been beating himself up he's like of all the dumb things I could have done of all the dumb things I could have done I'm, here I am I'm doing this I denied him three times he had utterly failed utterly failed and to make it worse not just the whole fact that Jesus saw it he knew it but he had just said a little bit before all this what even if everybody everybody deserts you if everybody leaves you Jesus I'm not going anywhere Oh, the pride. Oh, the audacity. Have you ever been in the place of Peter? Maybe you didn't outright deny Jesus with your words. But have you ever been in the place of Peter where you swore that you wouldn't fall again? You swore that you would not give in to that temptation, that you would not cave in, only to have to eat your words? They are bitter, aren't they? They are hard to chew, and they are hard to swallow, and he had to remind himself of that. I, t- I stood there, and I proclaimed, probably as vehemently as he later denied Jesus, oh, there's no way I'm ever turning my back on you, Jesus. There's no way, but yet he had done it, and in the empty tomb, though, there's new life, and there's second chances. There's a comeback waiting for Peter, and there's a comeback waiting for you and I. And so if you find yourself this morning sitting there beating yourself up because yet you failed yet again, yet you've stumbled, yet you've fallen, yet you've maybe even outright denied him, today is the day for you to begin your comeback. Because of the greatest comeback that ever happened, you and I can have a comeback. You don't have to stay outside. The party has been thrown for you. Like the father comes and meets that prodigal son. He says, no, nah, don't, you don't have to come back groveling. You come back. I see your heart. Here it is. We're throwing a party for you. Come on in. And there's a time for a comeback. It's time for us to come back. And like the uh, prophet once said, but wait, there's more. Y'all never watch those infomercials? Okay, all right. Y'all need to watch more TV. Yeah, all right. No, you don't. You don't need to watch more TV but here's there's more we see that Jesus appears to the eleven and he calls them out for not believing and we get an abbreviated account of the Great Commission beginning in verse 14 look along there with me afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, Peter had failed miserably, hadn't he? He had failed. He had rejected him. He had turned his back after he proclaimed that he would be the only one who would stand there. He had turned his back. And so it would be easy for the other uh, ten, because Judas, you know, we know what happened to him. It would be easy for the other ten to look and say, Oh, Peter. Yep, there you go. Thought you were the big stuff, right? You thought you were the boss. You thought you were, you know, the chief among us. And there you go. Look what you did. But they all rejected Jesus in their own way, didn't they? And so our silent rejection of Jesus is just as loud as somebody who claims out loud, I don't know Jesus whether it be by our sin or it be by our lifestyle or whatever you want to call it, we also reject Jesus. They had failed him as well. They didn't believe that Jesus had rose. Had Jesus shared the message that he was going to come back from the grave? Countless times. And like we said, we could judge them and say, oh, man, we never would have missed that. We'd have been the same way. We'd have been the same way, and yet they were told, and when people they knew, this wasn't strangers on the street, right? These were women they knew, saw Jesus, and he said, I'm coming back from the grave. They still said, oh, there's no way. I I mean, can you imagine the craziness of that? But yet, there they are, and I bet there we would be. It seems like we're always listening but never hearing. I think somebody said that one time. Oh, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> We're always listening but never hearing. We're always hearing God's word, but we don't usually soak it up and we don't become doers of the word and we have to understand this. Let's not judge these early disciples because if we believe that Jesus rose again he also spent a little bit of time saying what? That he would then do what? Come back one day. And I don't know if anybody who claims to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, would say I don't really believe that Jesus isn't coming back one day if they're a Christian, but I do think a lot of times our lives don't look like Jesus is coming back one day. And I believe we can be just as guilty as the disciples who don't believe we've heard hundreds and thousands of times that Jesus is returning, but yet we don't live like Jesus is returning. And here's why it's so important. Because if we believe that Jesus rose again, then we have to go and tell everybody. Everybody. Not just because it's good news, but that's important. It is good news, and good news is worth sharing. When you have good news in your life, what do you want to do? You want to get and tell everybody. Now with Facebook, we think good news is what you had for lunch today. And so we tell everybody that. Don't have to do that. It's okay. All right? You know, unless it's like prime barbecue or something like that. You don't have to show everybody, you know. There's a few things, but hey, we, if we have good news, we want to tell it. We want people to know that there's good news. And I want to ask you a question, and I don't want you to say it out loud. I want you to answer this in your heart of hearts. Is it good news that Jesus rose from the grave and that Jesus is coming back? Then let's go tell people. Because the problem is, is if we're not going and telling, there's a couple of reasons that might be at play. The first one is this, perhaps we don't believe. Perhaps we don't really believe. And then there's a second that might be at play, and there may be more, but these are two that really stand out to me. Perhaps we don't care and I would say a lot of us probably fall into that category this world and this life is too important to us and this desire for stuff and happiness with family and money and, and, st- and just being accepted is so important that we just don't have the energy to care about the fact that Jesus is coming back because in our minds we are already going to be with him and so hey I'm good as long as I'm good as long as my kids are good you know it, it's all good but there are people out there who deserve to hear and to know. You know, I've mentioned this, I believe, a couple of times. I've talked about it in different settings, so forgive me if if I have or haven't mentioned it before. But right now it's a really popular uh, Netflix show. I don't want to see it, I remember enough on the news, but about Jeffrey Dahmer. And it talks about every horrible thing that he did. And I believe that it's been told on this um, Netflix show, this movie, this miniseries, whatever you want to call it, It's it's totally talking about his following of Jesus while he was in prison. And I'd heard about this for years, and I've seen some supposedly documentation letters that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer wrote to a preacher while he was in prison. And he ended up, you know, seeming really remorseful and repentant for everything he'd done. And he got baptized into Christ while he was in prison. And, and there was a preacher that went and spent time with him and talked to him. And um, this past week, you know, because there's this uh, Netflix show was on there, so many people are talking about it. And I saw some mutual friends, a friend I know, uh, said something about, you know, how cool it was that they did talk about his conversion on there. About how he followed Jesus. And somebody, another believer, got on the, the Facebook Uh, chat and started talking and it was like there's no way there's no way if you think you're going to see Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven guess what you're going to be in hell and while it's hard for me to understand and fathom how Jeffrey Dahmer can be forgiven you know what Jesus can do it Jesus can do it does he deserve to be forgiven nope and from everything I've heard about what Jeffrey Dahmer said, he, he knew he didn't deserve to be forgiven. He even said, I deserve to die for my crimes on this earth, but I hope that I can live forever. That's my paraphrase, but I remember seeing that. But here's the thing. You and I don't deserve to be saved. You and I don't deserve to be in heaven. Our sins are enough to condemn us for all eternity, but Jesus died for them. And if Jesus wants to forgive Jeffrey Dahmer because he repents and is baptized into Christ, then praise God because his grace is good enough. And that's hard. I know it's hard because you know the evil things he did, but I know the evil things I've done. And you know the evil things that you've done, and we can be forgiven, and this is good news, and people deserve to hear it. So we need to go tell people, because even people like Jeffrey Dahmer can want to hear the gospel if their heart gets in the right place. And so Jesus told us that he's coming back, and yet I don't think we believe him. And if people are going to be saved, they have to hear so that they can believe and be baptized. That's the way it is. There's no plan B, there's no backup. We, the church, are the ones to carry the message. We're it, y'all. We're it. It's up to us to share our faiths and invite people to come and to know the and be a part of the bride of Christ, to meet the groom, to be forgiven and free. It's on us. If we haven't surrendered everything to Jesus what are you waiting for what are you waiting for if you've become a Christian but you aren't living out or sharing your faith what are you waiting for because if Jesus is coming back and we don't know the day nor the hour how should we live ready right ready at any moment Ready at any moment. We should live ready and prepared because we do not know the day or the hour. Jesus used the illustration, the idea of a thief. The thief doesn't call you up and be like, hey, uh, would three o'clock next Friday night be good for me to break in and steal all your junk? Yeah, no, I'm not good. No, two's not good for me. Two's not good for me. No, they don't do that, right? They come when you least expect it. And Jesus is going to come when you least expect it. And it could be today, it could be right now, but are you ready, and are you helping other people get ready? I usually try to put a timer on my phone so I don't beat y'all into the ground, (laughs) and I put a timer for me to know about when I should be wrapping up when I preach, and all God's people said, amen, right? You don't know how much time I put on there. (laughs) But I just recently heard an old uh, podcast of Francis Chan teaching. He wrote the book Crazy Love, among many other books. And he talked about how he viewed timers when he's preaching. And he said he started, you know, at some point looking at that timer as a countdown and imagined that it was the countdown for when Jesus comes back. And that's sort of the mindset and heart that I have had, and he just kind of put it into words for me. And so I've been thinking about that for the past few weeks. It's like when I preach, I want to know when that thing hits zero, 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 if Jesus comes back, that I've told you everything that I need to tell you. That you have had the opportunity. And so I want you and I to start living with urgency because Jesus is coming back. And so when the clock hits zero, that we don't have to go run and do anything. That we don't have to go run and tell anybody that we've done our very best to tell everybody that we've had relationship with And so that means we need to start being radical in the way we live, in the way we think, and in the way we live our relationships, that we don't need to wait forever to let people know why we have hope. So do we believe that Jesus is coming back? Do we really believe that at some day, at some point, He will return? There in the quiet of the empty tomb, we had this gentle, powerful reminder that there was still time for a comeback for Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter. And if you've been squandering your chances to live for Jesus or to tell others about their chance, there's still time for a comeback. There's still time for a comeback for you today. There's still an opportunity. There's still time. But I will caution you, there's time is running out. Time is running out. And the problem is we don't know what the clock is reading, but we just know that it's ticking down. And we need to be ready for ourselves, and we need to get other people ready. Because it's not just about you and me. Praise God, the grace is for us, but it's also for other people. Amen? Do we go and live a life that shows other people and proclaims that Jesus not only rose from the grave, but that he is coming back? Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment, this opportunity. Jesus paid it all on the cross, and he walked out of that grave. He did it for you, and he did it so you could walk out of the tomb that you've been lying in. The tomb that's been holding you back and you might have felt like you were alive but now you realize looking at God's word and hearing what God's word says that you have been lying in this tomb. You were really just a zombie maybe even. It's time for a comeback and now can be yours. One of the things that we talk about here at Movement from Time to Time is being all in being a mission partner you know some churches talk about being a member and and we don't really use that language it's not bad but we don't use that language because we see that uh a member sometimes gives the idea of like being part of a country club it's like if you're a member you get privileges and people should do a lot of things for you but we see if you're a part of the body of christ if you're a mission partner then you go and you serve because jesus didn't come to be served but what to serve And so we talk about being all in and being a mission partner. And the first part of that is being baptized into Christ to be set free. But then from there on out, we talk about loving and serving and moving, which is our mission here. Do you love God and you love other people as best you can? Do you serve the church and the world as often as you can? Do you keep moving and growing in your faith? And when you stumble and fall, you get back up because his grace is sufficient. And we talk about connecting with one another because we're a body, right? We're not supposed to just be all scattered and doing our own thing. We're supposed to humble ourselves and come together and love one another. And we talked about investing by giving back from what God has so richly blessed us. We give to other people. We give to the church. And we talk about inviting people to come and be a part of the family of God. That's what it means to be all in. So maybe today that's your call, that's your challenge, to either say I'm going to be all in and I'm going to start where I need to start and I'm going to get to where I need to go. Or if you've done part of it, you say, I've sort of fallen by the wayside. I need to come back and I need to really invest. I need to really invite. I need to really start serving. I need to really start growing, moving in my faith. Wherever it is, what today do you need to do to make sure that you live a life that says that Jesus is coming back? A couple of weeks ago, I shared a quote from Jim Elliott, the missionary who was martyred along with four other friends whose then families went and shared the gospel with the villagers who murdered them and led the whole village to Christ and most of us are familiar especially if you've been around church a little bit familiar with you know some of his quotes but this one was one that I had just never heard and I want to share it again when it comes times to die make sure that all you have to do is die when it comes time, when it comes times, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even say it. When it comes times to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. When the time comes for you to die, are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to sing a song, and I hope and pray that you're ready. I hope that you have done what you need to do. To sur- Before uh, we sing the song, we're going to share in our communion time and give you some time to listen to what Matt has to say. Prepare your hearts. If you need to talk, need somebody to pray with you during that time, after you take communion, I'll be right over to the side. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.